guys be seated, man. Thank you so much for being here today. Look around. There's actually room in the in the building now. Uh, in the first service, we were packing them in with crowbars. I don't know what's going on, man. It was packed in here, man. It's so exciting to be here today. I don't know about you guys, uh, but being the the student pastor, the youth pastor, the most immature person uh, on staff. I, when I walk in this room, I get so excited. And there's been the, the, today has been no exception. And get to kind of walk through some of these concepts that we've been talking about. When we first started this, I don't know, four or five weeks ago, we first started talk, talking about this. Joy is like, I, I call joy. I wanted that one quick. Because I, I'm a little kid when it comes to Christmas. Who's still like a little kid when it comes to Christmas? Oh, come on now. Let's try it again. Who's still a little kid? There we go. Now we're paying attention. I know. So... In, in dad world, I have three kids. In dad world, you know, there's so much joy in Christmas. I, I remember when uh, I was young, I don't know how old I was, maybe 11 or 12 years old. Uh, I, have a, I have a little sister. She's four years younger than me. And um, I was talking to my mom. We were talking about Christmas, my little sister, and all things of Christmas and how Christmas works. And, and uh, my mom made the most amazing statement. She said, uh, she said, Christmas is more fun when you're an adult. And the 11-year-old, 12-year-old Billy was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life because I want a Millennium Falcon for Christmas. And that's all that mattered, right? But now being on the other side of that many, many years later, you know what? There, there kind of is some truth to that. So kind of gearing up the last couple of three weeks, kind of focusing on where we're going and, and what, what we're doing. I've been thinking about this. You know, uh, I have children and, and being a part of, of their Christmas experience is such a blessing, but... A few days ago, maybe a week and a half ago, I kind of thought the other way around. Does God find joy in us at Christmas? And that kind of turns things around. Because when I think of my children at Christmas, can you look at this next picture on the stage? This is a perfect representation of my children at Christmas, we've got Reagan, my oldest, and she had just gotten out of the shower, and Bailey was playing with her reindeer, and we were not going to have that. It's my reindeer. And Bailey's my fashionista going, woohoo, I wonder if this hat will fit. And even today, now we have Braxton, but the same thing, Braxton would just be gone somewhere. He wouldn't be in that picture. And I find so much joy in that, but does God find joy in us? And we can go on and on and on. Uh, last week, Dennis threw one of his children under the bus during this service. So I thought it only fair that I throw my kids under the bus this week. Um, right after Christmas one year, my daughter Bailey was about, I don't know, four or five years old. And she had gotten this really cool doll uh, for Christmas. And she comes running in the living room. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she was so excited. She's like, I'm going to get some scissors. Uh, whoa. Why are you going to get some scissors? She's like, I'm going to cut my doll's hair. No, 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 no. No, you're not. Get back in your room. And so she turns around and goes, wait, I'm sitting there watching TV. And about five minutes later, here she comes. Now, in my house, if you're watching TV, it's like a big circle to the kitchen. And and you can go around. And here she comes. And she's walking. (laughs) Like this right here. I didn't say a word. I was like, where is she going? She, She goes into the kitchen and she gets into the junk drawer. Who's got a junk drawer in your kitchen? There we go, everybody. It's so funny when you ask the rhetorical question and people are like, oh yeah, that one, I'm raising my hand. Because we all do. 
I thought it'd be fun to, I'm not, we didn't do this. I thought it'd be fun to take a picture of my junk drawer. My wife would kill me. And because it's ridiculous what's in the junk drawer. It's supposed to be like some simple things, scissors and maybe, I don't know, flashlights. What basic stuff you might need. No, 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 no. All kinds of things. You can repair crazy stuff out of the junk drawer, right? So I'm sitting there and I can hear, (laughs) she's going through the junk drawer because she's not smart enough to realize that sound goes to other rooms, right? And she messes around the junk drawer. I don't say a word. And a couple of minutes later, she went that way. A couple of minutes later, she comes around the other way like this. Like, what are you doing? She's like, nothing. No. We're do- what do you have behind your back? Nothing. She had scissors. I'm like, get back in there. And don't run. Get back in there and put those scissors up. And I wonder sometimes, because we kind of chuckle about that kind of stuff. I wonder when God's in heaven and he's looking down at us, does he look at us this time of year and go, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that's what they're doing. But we do. I found this passage in the book of Philippians. If you've got a Bible, you can open up to Philippians chapter 4. But I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would, for a very brief, come on, stand up, for a very brief reading of God's word in Philippians 4. Four things we're going to look at today. The first one is very simple. See, God finds joy in our gratitude. Listen to this. Philippians 4 verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Pray with me. Father God in heaven, Lord, I love you. I praise you for this time of year. I praise you for the the joy that's in my heart, the joy that I hear and see. And Lord, I pray that we live our lives in such a way that you find joy in us. In Christ Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Listen to this one more time. Philippians 4, verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now, this is a whole passage of scripture that obviously has nothing to do with Christmas. I realize some of you are like, wait a minute, we're supposed to be talking about shepherds and angels. Where's all that about? Maybe next week. Okay. Today, we're going to talk about this incident where Paul, he's in prison. He's in a very bad place. And he's writing this letter uh, to the people of Philippi. And what he's doing is just expressing gratitude. He's sharing the joy with what's going on in his life. Now, remember, in Paul's first missionary journey, he goes to Philippians and founds this church. And from the best of our understanding, he's been given a gift in chapter 4 by this guy, Epaphroditus. And who we're guessing is maybe the the chief leader uh, of that church. And the truth is, it's probably like legal money. you got to remember, when you're in jail in in Rome at this time, it's not like there's a TV and a ping pong table. You're in a hole or a cave or in some kind of disgust. There's no facilities. There's nothing. This is an absolute horrible, horrible situation. But Paul is in this crazy place. And he's grateful. We're not very grateful when things don't go our way, right? Especially at this time of the year where we put so much energy and so much stress stress into joy. And we have no joy. My other daughter, Reagan, 
when she was, I'm guessing, about four years old, three years old. I don't know how old she was. Reagan's a tomboy. She, she's always been a tomboy her whole life. And we went to a family Christmas party. Yeah, we're doing this. We went to a family Christmas party uh, at my Aunt Arliss's house. I have this Aunt Arliss down in, in Adairsville. And please understand, my Aunt Arliss, she is a godly, humble, genuine, beautiful woman. I absolutely love her. And we're like sitting around and we're opening gifts and it's Reagan's turn and Reagan's got a gift and she opens the the present and there's this doll, this pink dress wearing doll and Reagan looks at the doll and goes, oh yuck, it's pink and threw it down. Ever have a moment when you're one of those parents? Oh no, what have we done? And here's my aunt with that. And I was like, no, 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 no. And there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. It's been damaged. And so let me tell you, you know, there was a beating. <laughs> there was a beating. We're still beating her because we're talking about it today, right? We're not very grateful sometimes. And when you look at Paul and who Paul is, this is not logical. You know what? Paul's a jerk. If you really look at the, the history of who Paul is, where Paul came from, he's the guy who's literally killing Christians one minute and then creating the church the next minute. And I would imagine even the people at Philippi were like, man, what in the world? Where'd this guy come from? We don't really know just a ton about him, but he was tough. And for, for him to be sitting in jail going, praise God, I'm sitting in jail. That is not logical. But as we're going to see in this passage, it's really fascinating the way he approaches all this. There's no flattery. He doesn't flatter uh, the writers. He's not over the top. Um, he, he's not manipulative. You ever ever see those people, hear those people that kind of manipulate you into, into giving? They're like, you know, you gave to orphans four years ago, but you didn't give to orphans this year. Do you hate orphans? You know what I'm saying? He doesn't do any of that. He, he doesn't use the manipulation. If you'll give us money, we will name this jail cell after you. You know, there's, there's none of that. It's all praise. It's all positive. Because God finds joy in our gratitude. Paul wanted there to be joy from God in his life. And the second one, a little harder, God finds joy in our contentment. Look at verse 11. I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every and any situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Here he is. He's literally saying, hey, you know what? I'm in a mess. I am completely content with this. There's some things we can learn here. First of all, contentment is just that. Contentment is learned. What does he say? Literally, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Bailey had to learn we do not cut our doll's hair. And you know, from time to time after that happened, we had to stay on top of her about it. We are not doing this. You cannot touch the scissors. Do not touch the junk drawer, right? Same thing was true with Reagan. For the rest of the family Christmas parties 
And for like the next two or three or, I don't know, 15 years, every time we went to, you are going to be nice. Whatever you get, do you understand? Yes, sir. We have to learn. They had to learn to be content. And that's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? When you look around the world, you look at it, and boy, we're the keeping up with the Joneses kind of people. To actually stop and say, you know, I want a yacht. I'm going to be content with, I don't know, a bathtub. What, whatever we're content with. And that's easy. We, we have to learn that. The second one, contentment takes effort. This one's fascinating. You ready? Look at verse 12. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether live, or excuse me, whether living in plenty or in want. He's got all kinds of situations, and we're going to have to take, we're going to have to make effort to be content. You read that, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, and instantly my mind goes to in sickness and in health as long as you both shall live, right? Because it's a lot like a wedding, a marriage. Look at this next picture. Mine and Joni's 24th anniversary, 24 years, is tomorrow. Listen to me carefully. My wife, contentment takes effort. It's easy for me. But for her, 24 years, she's had, she's had to work at it. We've all had to work at it. But seriously, think about it. Think about your world. Think about your marriage or not. It takes effort. The third one, contentment sometimes requires help. This verse is fascinating. Verse 13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The same thing happened just now in this service that happened in the last service. I, I say this verse, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And almost everybody in the room, like they, they perk up just a little bit. They're like, whoa, 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 I know that one. That one. We use that one, don't we? We put it on t-shirts. We put it on banners. And it's almost always, give me what I want. Help me win the game. Help me achieve that. But when we look at this, it's, this has nothing to do with that. Do you understand that Paul who's in the yuck, is saying, hey, listen, I'm having, to requ- I'm having to depend on Jesus to get through this situation. In fact, he's grateful that Christ is getting him through this situation. And then we look, this, this, this passage is really a tool. We should use it as a tool to bring joy to God. Because you ever thought about Jesus being content with his life on earth? Ever ever stopped and thought about that? So if Jesus is God and he comes to earth, how must it have been for him to be content with that situation? Regan and I were talking about this the other day. It was kind of a a theological, if you will, discussion. Something I've never pondered in my life. She brought to my attention, which I I think is fascinating. Because we we deal with teenagers all the time. We we were constantly around working with uh, a teen. And listen, teenagers can be mean, can't they? You ever thought about the fact that Jesus would have been a teenager and all the other little teenagers in the village knew that Joseph was not Jesus' father? Ever thought about that? That can be a problem today. Think about the problem it would have been back then. There were pro- this is not scripture. This is just a thought, but I, I think it's fair. Would Jesus have been content as a teenager? Because you know he had to deal with that. But then it goes further. I mean, Jesus is God. 
for him to go uh, into situation, into life, and, and allow himself to say, okay, here's the time where I'm going to start my ministry, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to signal the beginning of my ministry by allowing this other guy to dunk me underwater. Think about that. Jesus had to humble himself to allow that situation to happen. It goes further. Jesus was in the garden, and we know that in the garden, that, that, was, that was tough for him. He says, Father, if it's your will, take this cup for me. Remember, God himself shows powerful contentment. And then here we are going, oh, I don't think the lights on our front yard look as good this year as they did last year. God finds joy in our contentment. But I'm not so sure that we really appreciate that or understand that. But here's the thing. It is Christ who gives us strength to get through it. But what's fascinating is that's a two-part kind of statement. We should be content in our situations. But you know what? From time to time, we should probably see situations and say, no, 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 that's not good enough. We have to help bring uh, situations, contentment to other people. At the very beginning of this week... I was just praying through my week, my world, praying through this sermon, praying on things that, praying through things that, that, that I'm ministerially going through. And, and, and I'm involved in a lot of different aspects of ministries, a lot of different things. And I was kind of circulating through our church and some different things that I am involved with and I'm, I'm not involved in. And for whatever reason, Karen Hartman, she's involved with this, look at this picture. She's involved with this, this or she founded this, this ministry. It's called Stanley's Kids. And I interest, interest, uh, quickly called her up. And I was like, you know what? I don't really understand how this works. So Karen had been to Nicaragua like four or five times doing missionary trips, and she had met this family. And one of them had a Down syndrome son named Stanley. And and on her fifth trip, she found out that Stanley had passed away. And it was pretty devastating. Not not just devastating to the family, but but devastating to the community. He he must have been a, a, been a real joy. And in that conversation with the father, who was her one of her interpreters in the ministry, but she's talking to the mother and the mother's just like, listen, I do not want his death to be in vain. And that really stuck with her. So she comes home and the the next day, the next Sunday, she's in this room and the sermon about getting out of the boat and about stepping up to the challenge. And God's like, hey, listen, we got to do something about that because there's no contentment in this place. So she and some of her friends, they kind of found this ministry. And here we are, three and a half years later. It's real ministry up and going because there's a place where there's no contentment. And now all these people, their children with special needs are being ministered to for the first time ever. And then I look back at our church. There's really a lot more of that. Johnny Jennings has founded a big, huge, beautiful ministry uh, for the Georgia Baptist Children's Home. Uh, the, the Van Fleets do a ministry where they minister to people uh, that's, that's had hurricane damage in, in Texas. Uh, Donnie and Brian, I don't know where Brian is, that they have a band that plays all over and ministers to people. And that's, that's like on the big scale. And you can go down from there. Our church is full of people who see little ministry opportunities, and they say, no, we can do better. I'm not content with that. I need to pour in. And it can be as big as starting an international mission. Or you know what? I've got a Bible study tomorrow at 7.15 at a middle school. And I, was, I sent out a, a text to a few teachers. I was like, hey, I need a place to do this. And one of them instantly is like, you can use my classroom. Just, just stepping up. Just saying, yeah, I'm, I'm not content to let you guys not have this. We're going to 
do this. And you can be the same. And you know what the truth is? When you say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, and you depend on him for that strength, and then you see, hey, you can be that that brings contentment to some other ministry, man, that's when change things, things change. And worship starts. The third thing, God finds joy in our worship. Look at verse 14. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is more to be credited to your account. I have received full payment, and I have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. God finds joy in our worship. Here's Paul in this awful place, and he is literally worshiping. Now, I'm not going to take the time to spend a whole lot of uh, 20 minutes talking about what worship is. I understand it's not just the 20 minutes of music that we sing on Sunday morning. It is literally our lifestyle. When something is going on in any aspect of our world, and we stop and we say, thank God for whatever it is. We are giving to God in worship. This morning in my office was an awkward four or five minutes of worship when I'm literally sitting there going, Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus. I can say Epaphroditus. Everybody say Epaphroditus. Yeah, that was terrible. It took me five minutes. Paul worships God for this gift. Verse 20, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever Amen. Man, that's beautiful. That's how it should be. He's in a mess and he's thanking God. And in verse 18, listen to this. It goes on. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. What about us as believers? Do you understand that we believers have received full payment? We are amply supplied. And then Paul goes even deeper. This is kind of cool because he drops some Old Testament imagery in verse 18. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. You got to remember these Philippi- the Philippians, they're not very far removed from burnt offerings. They're not very far removed from some pretty crazy kind of offerings. And this would get their attention, and I would hope that they would see this and stop sa- and say, "Wow, this is beautiful." Because God finds joy in our gratitude. God finds joy in our commitment. God finds joy in our worship. You know, ultimately, though, the last thing, point four, God finds joy in his children. Verse 21. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong in Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ 
be with your spirit forever. Amen. And aren't we right back where we started? Right back where we started. We as parents love our children. We find joy in our children. And God finds joy in us. Can we skip ahead and look at this picture from last week? This is a picture from last week. Uh, Something I love about uh, what we saw today, the children come up here and sing. One of my favorite things we do. Can I be honest with you? My favorite part of that isn't so much watching the children. I love watching the children sing. Uh, my favorite part is typically I'm sitting over here. My favorite part is actually watching you watch the children sing. And you're usually watching the children sing like this. But today, that last week, excuse me, was different. When those children, those babies were standing up here in front of us and Dennis is talking about where they're going to be in 15 or 20 years and how we as a church have to come together and put our arms around them and lift them up. It wasn't just like cute kids singing on a stage. Could you feel the majesty in the room? Could you feel the grace in the room when the whole church is on the same page going, yeah, man, this is important. That's how God feels about us. This is important. And he finds joy in us. I've told this story before, but it works pretty well today. Uh, When I was in college, um, my wife, Joni, worked at a Hallmark store. She sold cards in a store. Uh, do they still have those doors? I don't even know. I know they make movies uh, that she makes me watch, and, uh, and I love it. And um, there's one day in the mail, I, I was always getting mail, cards in the mail. I was the only person that got mail. I was the only person like, hey, let's go to the post office. Everybody's like, no, that's stupid. And uh, one day I got a box. It was, it was a fairly big box. And I was like, yay, cookies. And um, I got the box. It was super light, like Oh my goodness, this is weird. It's light. And I went over to the little thing and I opened the box and I looked down in it. There was nothing in the box. It was empty. And I looked down in there. I thought, well, this is weird. And there was this little scrap of paper, just tiny little scrap of paper. And I reached down in there and I pulled out the the tiny little scrap of paper. And this is what it said. It says, this is how I feel when you're not with me. That's a Hallmark movie right there. (laughs) I would love to have some cookies. (laughs) But you know, at the end of the day, that message of love was worth so much more to me. You know, the fascinating thing about God and who he is, is that he gives us the most amazing present. God gives us an empty box. And we can fill that box with all kinds of things. We can fill it with with pride, with selfishness, with, with title, with toys. We can fill it with anything. He allows us. He allows us to choose. He allows us to just let the ball roll and, and let us see or not see him for who he is. But when we choose to fill that box with gratitude, when we choose to fill that box with, with contentment, when we choose to fill this box with worship, that's when everything truly comes together. Because at the end of the day, God isn't so much interested in our presence as God is interested 
in our presence. Is your presence with God this season? Because if it is, I assure you, He finds joy in that. Pray with me. Father God in heaven, thank you for this place, and I thank you for this time of year. I am overflowed with joy for you and what you've done in my life and what I see you do day after day, week after week in this place that that we simply could not do on our own. Now, Lord, I pray that we just focus for a few minutes and continue to give you what you deserve. In Christ Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen.